Hello, happy Chinese New Year, Xinian Kuala, and welcome to the Year of the Pig and another episode of the China Path podcast. James Scullin here from the Australia China Business Council. On this episode, we take a look at the Australia China Youth Dialogue, or ACYD, which is the preeminent youth focused organisation that promotes frequent and meaningful dialogue between emerging leaders from both Australia and China. Since 2010, the ACYD has sought to enhance Australia China relations by forging networks between key individuals from both sides of the bilateral relationship to forge deeper connections for the future. I caught up with the ACYD's chair, Natalie Cope, to look at how the dialogue got started, what goes on at each year's annual gathering, either in Australia or China, how delegates stay in touch, and why a youth-based people-to-people exchange is beneficial for the Australia-China relationship. Natalie Cope is a founding member and current chair of the Australia-China Youth Dialogue. She spent her career focused on enhancing Australia's relationship with China and the region. She's a former CEO of the Australia-China Business Council New South Wales and was the Manager of Partnerships and Development at AsiaLink Business. She's currently Head of Strategy and Partnerships Asia at Genesis Care. I hope you enjoy our discussion. I'm here with Natalie Cope in Sydney, the chair of the Australia-China Youth Dialogue. Nat, thanks a lot for dropping by to the podcast. James. Um, now, Nat, could we start off by describing what, what is ACYD? What is the Australia-China Youth Dialogue? How did it get started? The Australia-China Youth Dialogue is uh, unquestionably the country's leading and preeminent forum for mid-career emerging uh, and, uh, in many cases, existing leaders mm. uh, between the ages of 25 uh, and 40 from both countries obviously being China and Australia. Uh, And on an annual basis, we convene for four days or so, and we bring together uh, 30 of the best and brightest, uh, 15 from Australia and and 15 from China. And over a period of four days, uh, we we have structured means of engagement and for the delegates to engage with uh, influencers and uh, notable figures across the Australia-China relationship uh, to learn and canvas and discuss key issues pertinent to the Australia-China relationship. Okay. So if we can go back to 10 years when it first mm. got started, did, did the, was the ACYD something that you had always kind of thought about getting started and did you leverage your pre-existing China network to, to get the ball rolling at the beginning? Yeah. I mean, again, it's a, it's a good question. So uh, the truth of it is actually that in 2009, uh, Australia's first ambassador to China, uh, Dr Stephen Fitzgerald, a man uh, who's still extraordinarily active in the Australia-China relationship, wrote quite a seminal article uh, on the state of the Australia-China relationship. Uh, And in that article, he referenced the absence of uh, a need for more institutionalised dialogue between Australia and China through Mm. both governmental and non-governmental organisations. So with that in mind, um, a group of, at the time, uh, young, relatively young, tertiary-aged Sinophiles responded to that call to action and established uh, what is now and and remains to be today the Australia-China Youth Dialogue, uh, really responding to that call to institutionalise a forum in which we could gather each year and bring the best and the brightest together to 
discuss pertinent issues to the Australia-China relationship. Realistically, and, and I feel very strongly about this, that this is so much more than just a, a yearly conference convened um, and bringing together uh, interesting people. Uh, what we're doing through the ACYD uh, is building a community uh, and building a, a community that is now, um, at this stage, 360 strong, I think, nine years in and 30 each year. And that is extraordinarily valuable to be accumulating a network of individuals from both sides of the relationship sure. uh, who've developed an understanding, who are networked, plugged in. Uh, and when you think about Guangxi and, and the importance of it in the Australian and the Chinese context, mm. uh, what we're creating in the, is, is actually a, is a community of powerful leaders who we know care about mm. this relationship and how we advance it. How do you go about recruiting delegates in China? Do you have a, a, a representative in China that helps manage that? And, and how do you get the word out in, in the PRC? Really good question. So we work with really good partners is, okay. is probably the, the key to it. Uh, and then uh, ultimately it's by referral uh, and word of mouth. So like many things in, in China, it's based on first establishing credibility and legitimacy, which we've been able to do over many years through being able to receive the support that we do by very recognised uh, organisations, uh, both governmental and non-governmental. Uh, so with the support of the likes of the Australia-China Council, uh, the Department of Foreign Affairs, and trade, uh, many Australian top tier blue chip corporates and then on the other side we've been working together with the Chinese government um, we've had the endorsement to prov that provides us legitimacy authority and credibility mm. which attracts high quality delegates through our partners also who secure through that sponsorship uh, delegates participation they too are able to serve as a recruitment mechanism and then it's a, it's a word of a mouth uh, experience. Okay, and, and so with delegates each year, are you looking for a balance between like, the public and private sector? Mm. Um, how do you go about selecting delegates? There is a science behind it. The aim here is to achieve a, a cross-disciplinary uh, forum of individuals. Okay. So we work really hard to ensure that we've got gender representation, super important, sure. obviously, yeah. uh, all by merit, I will add. <laughs> uh, but also we work really hard to ensure we've got really good representation uh, across government, across business, uh, from academia, from the media and journalism, from the arts, uh, as well as from policy uh, and other important industry sectors that make up the Australia-China relationship. We feel that's really important to have that diversity uh, of perspective because not only is gender diversity important uh, along with both the ethnic diversity of Australia and China mm. as is subject matter expertise um, diversity uh, because it stimulates terrific learning by receiving insights and perspectives that people may not have otherwise been able to be exposed to if they're working in a silo in a really highly specialised yeah, sector. Right. So okay. in terms of what the criteria is, I mean, we do have that outlined quite clearly on our website, but it's important that uh, one is interested in advancing the relationship, has a demonstrated interest uh, in addition to just representing those key sectors. And also an experience to extend their own skill set where mm -hmm. you know, they may be you know, working predominantly in the public sphere and they want to get sure. to know more people in private and broaden their own horizon, so to speak. Yeah. So once the delegates are selected, like, mm -hmm. what actually happens at the dialogue? So the last dialogue was this year in mm -hmm. Melbourne. Mm -hmm. um, what were some of the focus areas discussed? Okay, so uh, every year, so a key part to the story I missed at the start when I introduced the SUID, each year we switch between Australia and China 
And this year uh, we're heading back to China and last year we were in, rightly as you pointed out, in Melbourne. What we do each year is really uh, structure our, we create some anchor points uh, across the dialogue and usually each day we'll have a theme and what and a theme is specifically crafted in response both to key industries or issues pertinent to the relationship, yep. but they're also then shaped according to uh, current uh, sentiment or current issues. Last year each day had a particular theme, yep. first being around the new dynamics of uh, global politics, second being around trade and innovation, third being around soft exchanges, education and culture, and the final, uh, because we were in you know, Melbourne, the Australia's sporting capital, mm-hmm. there was a real focus there on you know, using sports in diplomacy. Sure. But it's not just all about sitting in classrooms and listening to seminars. Um, we designed this in an interactive fashion to okay. really live up to our promise, which is to ensure that we're doing our best to facilitate an environment so that Australians and Chinese, um, and the Australians and Australians, Chinese and Chinese, can form true relationships and create understanding. We have icebreaker sessions, we have fun exercises and activities. Uh, We head out this year in Melbourne, we had sessions run in the MCG, we took a day out and went to a winery. Mm, So there's lots of dynamic components to this to make sure that it's interactive, it's fun, it's engaging. It's going to live to that mission of being able to foster and facilitate relationships, knowing that Sitting in a classroom is really not necessarily, or, or being on the receiving end of information, yeah. you're not necessarily going to be the beneficiary of a great relationship. Yeah, and, and really building camaraderie between, Absolutely. between delegates. Yeah, yeah. 2018 wasn't mm-hmm. perhaps the smoothest year for Australia-China relations. Um, did you find that the state of the bilateral relationship came up and, and was discussed by the delegates? Um, Yeah, look, of course, right? And as I mentioned, in terms of the programming of the ACYD and when we look at subject selection, um, naturally we have to because the purpose of the ACYD in the forum is to have open and honest and direct uh, conversations on on issues that are are truly challenging. So if you do wind back the clock around December 2017, I think that was possibly where we were at our lowest. And Mm. many of you will remember when our Prime Minister at the time announced his concerns around Chinese influence. That was quickly followed by, you know, the issues raising its ugly head around the South China Sea and so on and so on. So if we then look back to around, I think, November, December 2018, Mm. you know, we actually started to see an uptick in the relationship. The Victorian government had signed the MOU on the Belt and Road Initiative. Yep. Um, I think it was in November that uh, Maurice Payne you know, got the chance to meet with the Chinese Foreign Minister. Mm. So within that year, you actually had an, there was a bit of an uptick when we did meet, but notwithstanding, the sentiment was still you know, quite tense. Um, so of course it came up and mm. it was, a, but it, you know, that, that is wherein lies the true value of this forum because this is a build it, fix it initiative okay. in that we are creating an atmosphere that is one of camaraderie. Yeah. Uh, this is one of conciliatory approach. Yeah. Um, so I feel that the, that we were able to discuss these difficult pertinent issues, but do so in a way that was in a safe environment. So sure, the relationship was, you know, challenged and it did come up and intentionally so. Mm. Uh, and it served as a terrific way, though, to be able to work through some of those issues that often I see at the highest levels yeah. are not actually approached in a constructive, pragmatic way. Sure. So to some extent, I feel that, you know, to, and to your point, James, it's times when the relationship's at its most challenged 
that these sorts of initiatives become most important mm. because ultimately it is the people-to-people links that are ones that are going to be able to advance the relationship through difficult periods. Yeah. To highlight that, you know, that it isn't it wonderful that despite the challenge nature of the relationship, we were still able to attract 15 of the best and brightest minds from mm. China, 15 of the best and brightest from Australia, and we had willing participation at the highest levels from both the Australian and Chinese government. And what's the point of identifying a problem if you can't be constructive about it, look, looking to work towards a solution? Okay, so are there any particular aspects of um, the Australia-China relationship that you feel young people and delegates in particular have a, have, have a particular interest in? Yeah, really good question. Um, You know, what my key takeaway uh, would be and what really came through from my most recent experience is that, you know, as young leaders in the Australia-China relationship, there was a sense of accountability uh, Mm. and a desire to redefine and create a new narrative on the Australia-China relationship uh, and one that had the aspiration to assume and overcome the complexities of what is unquestionably a rapidly changing global order. Uh, and an acknowledgement that, you know, yes, we've got he- many shared interests, there's shared values and there is shared history, but we are different. Mm. And I'm pleased to say that those who were participating in the room were very bold and, and uh, comfortable with acknowledging in particular that we are different, specifically in Australia's case, you know, we are a pluralistic society. Yep. You know, democracy is fundamental to our national identity and success Free media is promoted, individual rights and freedoms are the foundation of which we've built our political and economic systems. But on the other hand, many were willing to accept, acknowledge and, and, and work with the fact that China is unlikely to adopt Western-style democracy. It is going to find a way to sustain economic development and growth. It's going to be a broadly prosperous nation and is unlikely to concede to military pressure or what we would classify as megaphone diplomacy. Mm. Um, it's an extraordinarily diverse country. So I feel that the those in the room and the sentiment was such that you know we want to build and be confident in terms of strategies for both our countries to deal with those considerable differences. Mm. And yet that was just the underlying feature to say, let's call out the elephant in the room, these are our differences, and these are where we have shared values. But, hey, by the way, what's way more important than just look considering this bilateral relationship in a silo is we live in a global environment and we are facing exponential global challenges, including climate change, food and energy security, health pandemics, unregulated people flows. You know, that's something that's affecting all of us in a multilateral and global context. And that's all beyond the ability for us to solve as an individual nation or even in a bilateral context. So what was so awesome and I was genuinely inspired by was these young people who, you know, okay, they're not that young, 25 to 40, hey, uh, but... um, you know, they were truly committed to looking at problems not through the lens of a particular individual nation or even through a bilateral, but rather from a global perspective and say, well, hang on, how do we best address these issues and challenges from a cooperative and global perspective rather than looking at this individually in terms of international problem solving? Yeah, obviously it sounds like, you know, part of the dialogue is about really having that frank um, an open discussion that Australia and you know the PRC are both quite different countries. The dialogue operates under mm-hmm. Chatham House rules. Is sure that correct? does. Yes. And, and so that, does that really kind of help to insulate people with the protection where they can really express themselves freely and 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 really go that extra mile in understanding each other on the on the bilateral level? 
I'd say that karaoke really helps that as well. Oh, right. Yeah, okay. yeah. So, so ensuring that there's a karaoke session on the first night sure. is, is a critical, fundamental uh, ingredient to ensuring people open up. And, okay. you know, we, we create the psychological safety and people's vulnerabilities are reduced almost immediately once you uh, get everybody in the room awesome. and, and get them to uh, spruik their skills in karaoke. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Chatham House, you know, is a has always been a tenant of our principles in mm. setting up the ACYD uh, as is karaoke and usually on the first night but um, I think you know being speaking with a little more uh, seriousness mm. um, it, it takes time right in order to be confident in sharing your perspective is one thing being confident and willing to share your opinion is the next uh, and then being happy to challenge someone who don't really know that, that, that that's an evolution yeah. um, but we've taken a lot of time in terms of the pedagogy of developing the uh, ACYD over that four-day period and injecting a number of structured activities to try and accelerate that relationship development. So there's a bit of glue there yeah. that allows that to happen. And you must see yeah. that difference from, from day one of the dialogue sure. to day four of the dialogue, right? Yeah, I mean, I'd say that karaoke on day one goes for an hour, karaoke on day four extends well into uh, okay, the, right. the early, early, the early hours of the next morning. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. So, Nat, do you think that there's any particular skill sets that Australian delegates and Chinese delegates learn from each other? So is there something that maybe the Australian delegates tend to bring to the table that the Chinese delegates learn from or, or vice versa or... Or, or, or do you think that maybe the cohort of, of young people is, is so fragmented and they just have such a multitude of things to learn from each other regardless of country of origin? Uh, again, really good question. And, um, you know, what the, how, how long is the piece of string really mm. about learning from each other? Um, yeah. Undoubtedly. I mean, if you consider going back to that pedagogy and how we shape and structure the ACYD, uh, we're injecting uh, a lot of fairly specialised um, topics okay. in, you know, trade and investment, uh, foreign policy, innovation, entrepreneurship, arts, culture, media, understanding each one of those and looking at highly nuanced uh, aspects of each one of those. Okay. So naturally, we're bringing in highly specialised subject matter experts to speak to those and often our delegates will reflect the subject matter experts expertise of one of those areas. You can't be an expert on all or have the depth on, to classify yourself as an expert on, across all. So yeah. uh, in terms of learning from each other, 100% of course, because you know, you're know you getting the opportunity to hear directly from leading experts on particular subject matter areas yeah. across a very, very broad Australia-China relationship. Okay. And to add to that, we learn from the subject matter experts on those topics from both the Australian and the Chinese perspective. Okay. So naturally they're looked at very differently. So I think to that extent from a subject matter expertise, of course there's that learning. I think for me what's more important perhaps mm. um, is that we learn more about one another and we learn more about how we view things and from a values-based perspective. Okay. Uh, so I feel that's more important. And often one of the remarks that you will hear from delegates is that, wow, you know, I never really saw it from that perspective. Okay, yeah, right. Yeah, so I think that's really valuable. Uh, and that's, you know, as we all know, if you can create a strong sense of self-awareness, then you're much better positioned to understand others. And to some degree, that environment, when you're hearing about Australia from someone else's perspective, mm. it's like holding a big mirror and you mm. don't always like what you see. Okay. But through that, you are able to better understand yourself so yeah. as to better understand, you know, the, 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 in this case, the country um, that is, is considering you. So I think that that's really enormously valuable um, mm. to, to, to learn and, and certainly that takes place. But, yeah, the, the most common remark is, wow, I just didn't see it from that perspective yeah, great. before. Okay. Um, do 
delegates tend to stay in touch after attending each dialogue? Judging based on the level of activity that I see in about the 17 different WeChat groups that I'm a part of as part of ACUID, uh, yes, and that's only one, you know, mode of communica uh, communication. Obviously, there's a plethora of other channels and means to be able to maintain engagement. Yep. Um, but, yeah, I'm really, really proud to say that we've fostered something that is has a, has a life of its own. So there is – but that having been said, sure. I mean, as I remarked at the outset of our conversation, you mm. know, this is much more than just a point-in-time gathering um, of like-minded individuals and in some cases not terribly like-minded people. Yep. Um, this is about creating a community and that's exactly what we're achieving. So 10 years in, I'm, um, I'm pretty proud of the legacy that I, along with all of our founders, have been able to achieve in, in creating this community of, of people who willingly share information. So it happens organically through the establishment of these WeChat groups, but it also happens through structured engagement. So we have an alumni uh, manager and uh, we often host okay. uh, alumni get-togethers in each major capital across both Australia and China. And and, but also I, I count some of my best friends to be those that I've met through this environment right. okay. um, and have turned to them in, in, in terms of the, the value of this is I've turned to them often to yeah. get, given my line of you know, professional work, you know, it's always been in that China domain, you know, what an advantage I've got to be able to turn to trusted individuals to get advice on who to go to, what to do, you know, how to read the government uh, proclamation, yeah. you know. So, yeah, structured and organic uh, activity continues well after the ACYD. So who've been some of the notable delegates who've, who've gone on to become influential and constructive figures in Australia-China relations? Uh, well, again, I'd like to say that, you know, we've got uh, – we're, we're, we're really lucky. We did a lot of – you know, I would like to consider that uh, it was ACYD that it injected the inspiration to many of our now prominent leaders to focus their energy on, on China. But I suspect that they had an interest in China beforehand anyway. But okay. uh, in terms of existing, you know, notable individuals, Australia's first ever IP councillor to the Australian Embassy, we, we count as an alumni. Oh, David Bennett, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, we've got senior trade commissioners, um, mm. you know, who are... Uh, alumni including Anna Lin uh, who many will know in Guangzhou I think you know, arguably one of the best senior trade commissioners um, mm. the country has ever seen um, Australian federal um, MPs uh, leading and globally renowned journalists I think we've had two or three of you know the SMH's uh, foreign correspondent as well as others yep. we've had uh, a series of Schwarzman scholars MBA scholars we've got a Rhodes scholar uh, or more than um, representatives at the UN World Bank uh, many of the other major international institutions uh, notable entrepreneurs, uh, Phil Kingston, who many will know. Uh, he's an extraordinarily successful uh, entrepreneur and also returned recently as a as a guest speaker at, in, in Melbourne. Yep. Australian government representatives and, and other senior notable uh, figures within ASX-listed and Fortune 500 companies. Mm. So it's a really impressive list when you look back. But I'd only add as well that, you know, with the legitimacy and the credibility that we've been able to acquire over a 10-year period, uh, we're finding that uh, those who are applying uh, are not emerging leaders. They are leaders. Yeah. Uh, we have had MPs apply. Mm, so, right. yeah, okay. so to be a delegate. So I think that that's a real testament to the work that we've been able to do over a period, and but also an emerging and um, interest in developing one's understanding of the Australia-China relationship. Mm. So this podcast, Nat, is um, fortunately sponsored by uh, the Australia-China Council. And would you be able to explain how, how supportive they've been for the ACYD? Without the Australia-China Council support, we would not... Uh, be in existence today. Mm. So when we first uh, conceived of the idea and uh, at our very at our inception, they were the first organisation to get behind us and support our initiative and have done so year to year from there on. 
uh, so without the Australia-China Council uh, support, then we wouldn't be who we are and where we are today. So I spoke a lot about over the years we've acquired legitimacy and credibility and authority, mm. and a lot of that has come from the ability to be able to proclaim to the world, and particularly to China, hey, we've got the endorsement from the Australian government uh, through the Australia-China Council. Without their support, we just wouldn't be who we are and where we are today. And then, so their support has been far more than simply monetary. They've also provided us with support of representatives on our advisory, as well as being able to give us advice in terms of speakers to engage, but also ourselves how to navigate really tricky issues. Okay. So the support provided is is much more holistic than simply monetary. Uh, and But it has been played a, a really large role in giving us our... Uh, existing legitimacy and, and, and credibility. Okay, fantastic. Well, Nat, you mentioned that um, 2019 is the 10th anniversary of ACYD. Um, what's sure in did. store for the uh, anniversary? Oh, it'll have to be a secret, I think. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But naturally, it will be something very salubrious, yeah. um, uh, injected with uh, a great deal of realism, but a lot of fun, uh, as is our, um, our modus operandi with our ACYD, uh, and uh, naturally, we'll return to China. Okay, fantastic. Well, it's obviously a, a great initiative that's very popular. Um, if, if any young people want to take part, how can they learn more about ACYD? Best thing is to jump onto our website, www.acyd.org.au, and you will find information about how to participate, how to get more involved, but also be able to uh, review and learn more about uh, our previous ACYDs, including speakers uh, and delegates. Mm, fantastic. Okay, well, Nat Koth, great talking with you today, and all the best for the coming year with ACYD. Yes, yeah, and my thanks to Natalie for her time on the podcast and for more information about the ACYD, please visit acyd.org.au where you can look back at themes, speakers and delegates from previous ACYD meetings. You can also view a video of 2018's dialogue on this episode's podcast webpage at acbc.com.au forward slash podcasts, where you can also catch up on previous episodes of our podcast series. Help us spread the word of the podcast if you have a China-focused friend, colleague or client. And if you've been listening for a while, please feel free to leave a review of the podcast on the iTunes store. We'd also like to thank the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade's Australia-China Council once again for their support of the podcast. That's it for this episode. Thanks again for listening and until next time, 再见.